Paul Cook talks. He does other things too. How de do? Thank you for listening. I'm always trying to find interesting things that maybe people are talking about in our community, and uh, I think I found a great one today. I've been trying to talk to Spencer Pravitt, who is an engine specialist. And I want to tell you about that in a second, but, you know, everybody is talking about the energy crisis, about, you know, what it costs for a a gallon of gas and our dependence on fuel, fossil fuels, and then, of course, electric vehicles. Uh, Some would have you believe those are the answer, you know, the absolute answer, and it's possible those people have an agenda like everybody else we see who spins the information. I wanted to talk to somebody who is not anti-electric vehicle, somebody who is not bringing an agenda. And I think you'll find that in my next guest, just an awesome guy. He is not a radio professional, doesn't do radio interviews, not a broadcaster, just a conversation with a guy who knows modern vehicles and, well, pretty much all machinery. He even builds computers. I think you'll find Spencer to be pretty enlightening. And, and to be clear, you know, it's not like I'm against alternative fuels or anything. It's yeah, it's good to not rely on just gasoline and diesel. I think tons of awesome technology out there. It's good to have multiple vehicles running on multiple different things. It's not, I like you know, that. that's not my intent. It's right. just right. It's not to like say, oh, electric cars are terrible. It's just that they do pollute. Like it is an issue. Yeah. Like it's not, you know. That's great. So anyway, that's more, that, that's in, rather so, than one sided, that's more believable anyway, you know, because there's nuance to this stuff. Uh, it's not just, you know, don't buy an electric vehicle. Right. And it's, it's, it's more of me just asking questions, right? When something sounds too good to be true, like a full electric vehicle, no tailpipe emissions. So it doesn't pollute at all. And they're kind of pushing that, right? Like yeah. there's no tailpipe emissions. So they're great cars. And when you zoom out and look at the full picture of them shipping those batteries and stuff, yeah. for example, and, and mining all of that uh, nickel and stuff to actually make a battery, uh, you can see how much it actually pollutes. Okay, so I got to go to this really cool thing. I've always wanted to see Tony Robbins and the magic he does. He's, to me, the godfather of motivation. And, uh, you know, that I don't think I'm alone with that because there was a huge line to get in to see Tony in Florida. And I was standing next to the most interesting dude. And we got to talking about technology and what each of us do for a living. And uh, after what I heard, it was pretty startling, really. And uh, the experience he has is quite amazing. So I said, we've got to have you on my podcast, Spencer. We've got to do it. And I finally got you on the podcast. How are you, buddy? Great. How are you? (laughs) I am excellent. Thanks for being available there in Salt Lake City, Utah. Yeah, yeah. It's good to be here. How's weather this time of year? Oh, we don't really have a spring, so it's, you know, 20 degrees, and then all of a sudden it'll be 70 degrees, and then back <laughs> down to 20 degrees. Just kind of <laughs> up wow. and down, right? So wow, that's cool. It's nice, it's nice right now. Yeah. Oh my God. That is so interesting. Okay. So, you know, I, I, I want to talk about electric vehicles, emissions and all that stuff, but tell us about yourself, uh, you know, what you've been doing, what you're up to. And yeah. Um, so like you said, my name's Spencer, um, been working on cars 
everything mechanical pretty much my entire life. Um, in my, in my younger years, uh, I was constantly working on BMX bikes. Uh, I have a BMX racing background. Uh, so it's constantly turning wrenches and stuff. Cool. You know, learning, learning simple things like gear ratios and, and things of that nature, changing tires, just stuff like that. Uh, and that, you know, and then me racing, right. So that, that kind of transformed into having an addiction of going fast. Yes. Yes. And then obviously working on stuff. So that, that transferred into cars and motorcycles really easily and really quickly. Right? My dad watched mm-hmm. him build a few engines when I was real young and I helped, I helped him build an engine. First engine I built when I was 13. Wow. Uh, I have two associates degrees. One's in just your general automotive and the other one's in high performance and race car preparation. Cool. Presently, I am working on European supercars, oh my um, God. but we do modifications. I've supercharged uh, quite a few Audis, doing a lot of custom exhausts, you know, a lot of custom suspension, mm. uh, things of that nature. And then uh, my second job is a pit crew member at the local racetrack. So we actually take our cars out there, and I we race prep Lamborghinis and, and Audi R8s, things like that. So. Wow, that has got to be fun. Pretty cool to prepare these things and then watch them race. For sure. And uh, watching watching mechanical parts be pushed to their limit, you really learn a lot when you start actually pushing things very hard because a lot of things fail in a lot of different ways that you're totally not used to when you just see a normal street car in the shop. Reliability. <laughs> I don't know if we talked about it before, but I'm a big F1 fan. And they always oh, say right, on yeah. the okay. limit. Yeah. On the limit, you know? <laughs> right. So I bet yeah, you are absolutely. too. Explain what a, a European super car is, by the way. Well, yeah. So just <clears throat> all your normal exotics, uh, Ferraris, Lamborghinis, Maseratis, right. Mm. Uh, just things of that nature is, and then, you know, our bread and butter is just like Audi Volkswagen. So just a lot of normal maintenance on, traditional European cars. And then we specialize in the exotic. So, and I work right alongside with guys. We've all been foremen. We've all ran shops before, you know, so we're very educated. And you've worked on uh, electric vehicles. Yeah. So, um, everything from classic muscle cars, Japanese imports, domestic cars, uh, European vehicles, obviously exotics, race cars, electric vehicles, and hybrids. Okay. Uh, my, my most, my most experience with electric vehicles is Tesla's Okay. and, uh, my most experience with hybrids, definitely Toyota Prius and the Nissan Leaf. Okay. Wow. Well, so, you're uh, talking about yeah. it, man. Those are the ones that are out there, you know, that I see when I'm on the highway. <laughs> right. Exactly. You were telling me a little bit about some emissions education classes you had taken. Um, yes, I've taken a few of those classes, which is very educational. You know, that, that raised a lot of questions when I was sitting in the admissions class because I, you know, I'm just a really curious person. I like to try to stay on top of things and be, be educated and, and alternative fuels have always been uh, a thing that I've always been interested in, right? Like cars yeah. that run on propane, uh, hydrogen vehicles, uh, which seem pretty cool. The technology is not really there yet, I don't think, but mm-hmm. that'll be cool if it ever happens. Uh, and then obviously electric vehicles and hybrids, so. So you're a sponge, soaking it up, trying to learn all you can. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's a good way to put it. 
Yeah, that sounds like a good attribute to have. Uh, That's Spencer (laughs) Pravitt. He is in Salt Lake City, Utah. And uh, this guy knows his way around uh, cars and uh, everything that's going on with them these days. What do you think is the most surprising uh, thing that people maybe don't know about electric vehicles? We just, the average everyday guy or person thinks, you know, well, that's, uh, you know, it may be expensive, maybe difficult. You got to find a charger, but it's certainly better for the environment straight out of the, straight out of the box. Well, yeah, I think the most, the most astonishing thing, uh, is with electric vehicles and how they're actually charged. So, I mean, it's, it's pretty well known throughout the automotive community that when you build, when you make a battery and when you build an electric car, it's going to produce more emissions in the short term when you actually Mm -hmm. make the car. Right. Yeah. But you know, then that car is not burning gasoline and it doesn't have the tailpipe emissions. So therefore it should be more efficient, but it it really depends on, on where you're, where you're living. For example, uh, like Oregon has a, uh, you know, their main power supply, Oregon, Idaho are a great example. They use hydro and natural gas mostly. Okay. Um, CO2 emissions from both of those are pretty low. Uh, so you're, so charging your electric vehicle, with hydro, you know, and natural gas is, is pretty good. Right. Um, you know, places like California, like California uses a lot more natural gas, but it's not uncommon for you to sit in traffic for an hour or two, right? In <laughs> yeah. California, right? Traffic's terrible. Right. So when you start comparing that to tailpipe emissions, right, the worst thing you can do with a gasoline engine is idle it. When you idle an engine, wow. it produces a lot of emissions. I did so not know that. If you live in, <laughs> wow. So if you live in California and or you know or somewhere where you're sitting in traffic for a long period of time, an electric vehicle might be a good option. But yeah, and it's just so difficult too because a lot of the uh, graphs and stuff that you'll see, for example, they'll they they always show you best case scenarios and they and they don't show you the full picture uh, on multiple levels. So it, it becomes very difficult to actually interpret uh, what the car is actually polluting right you know so they'll they'll make a graph for example uh, most of the graphs most of the bar graphs I, I could find were based on 65 to 95,000 miles which isn't the life of a vehicle right Hopefully I mean not. the more realistic <laughs> yeah right <laughs> spend $50,000 on an electric car and then it only lasts 65,000 miles that's not no. Right. That, I mean, that's not realistic. So, I mean, in my mind, it's more like 150,000, maybe 200,000. Yeah. But, but the reason they make the graph that way is, um, again, we talked about making a battery and shipping it and everything uh, across the world for it to finally come to the States and how, and how much that actually pollutes. And, and a battery is only rated right now, right? Technology is getting better. Mm-hmm. And it hopefully will continue to get better. But but right now, it's pretty typical for a battery to last sixty five to eighty thousand miles before it starts to deteriorate, not hold its charge as well, becomes less efficient. Makes sense. The battery. So they so they make these charts showing your best case scenario, and they'll also make the like CO two pollution charts. Uh, you know, for example, based in Oregon, where it's pretty efficient to recharge your car. Oh, best case scenario. Yeah. 
right? Best case scenario. And then, you know, on the same graph, they'll show worst case scenario for a gasoline car. They'll show it idling. <laughs> they'll show, right. They go into depth and they'll show mining for, you know, like getting gasoline out of the ground, actually making gasoline. And then you produce emissions when you fill a gas tank because it's evaporating into the air. Okay. So, right. They take all these things into Man. consideration, but then they show you the best case scenario for the electric car. So very skewed. Oh, right. Wow. Yeah. But, you know, compare Utah, we have some of the worst air quality in the world. Yeah. At that's times. surprising. It's, it's, yeah. And it's because we live in a bowl, right? We're surrounded by mountains in Salt Lake. Everything just kind of stays here and lingers. We don't use, you know, we don't use hydro or anything like that for our power, not on a large scale, at least. Our, we burn coal and natural gas. Over 60% is coal here. And, and about 22 to like 24% is natural gas. Yeah. Both producing a lot of CO2 uh, emissions, right? Yes. So to have an electric vehicle here where you're recharging your electric vehicle on coal isn't very efficient at all. Uh, in fact, it's over three times uh, more CO2 pollutants in Utah because you're using coal compared to Oregon. Oh. Right? Wow. And that's, and that's not even going into, again, having to change a battery maybe two or three times in the life of the vehicle. So that manufacturing process of making the battery and making the car pollutes more than making a gasoline vehicle. Plus, you're replacing batteries and disposing of them, you know, like I said, shipping and stuff like that. Right. Oh, I wanted to play a snippet from Top Gear BBC, these guys that know engines like crazy, talking about where the Prius comes from, where the battery comes from, and path nickel needs to take to get to a vehicle. Yes, so the Toyota Prius. Now, Prius, not Prius. Uh, to make this as economical as possible, they go to the ends of the earth, quite literally. I mean, the nickel, OK, that they use to make the batteries that power the electric motor, that comes from a mine in Canada. Now, nickel mining is a filthy business, a lot of sulphur and acid rain, but no matter. They load it on an enormous cargo ship, sent to Europe where it's refined, then on to China where it's turned into a sort of foam, then to Japan where it's put in the batteries and into the car. Uh, it's so complicated, in fact, to make a price that uh, a recent study found that in the long term it does more environmental damage than a Land Rover Discovery. But, no, it's true, but it is at least economical. <laughs> or is it? They love their studio audience there uh, on the BBC. And then there's coal, that whole process, which, of course, most electric vehicles eventually use or use for sure in some step or another in this process. And what gets even worse, unfortunately, with coal, um, they talk about burning coal and the, and the CO2 pollutants for just burning coal to make energy, right? Right. But again, they, they don't bring up um, building the facility so that they can burn coal and turn it into actual power for your car, right? Yeah. They don't talk about mining the coal. They don't talk about shipping the coal, right? Because the coal isn't where the plant is, so they have to take it there on a train or, you know, however they do it. <laughs> right? Yes. So it, you start zooming out and you actually start following the process of, of what it actually takes. And it, it, you can start to see really quickly that it might not be a good option in certain places of the country to have an electric vehicle. 
you know, especially if you're not waiting in traffic. Right. So my commute to work is about 22 miles round trip and it takes me about a 20 minutes to half hour to get to work. It's not right. I don't sit, it's not like California. I don't sit in traffic for an hour or two at times. Yeah. So my car gets started and I drive it to work and then I drive it back. It, so it, it just, it matters where you live, uh, what your lifestyle is like. It, it's more of a community awareness, right? Like everyone deciding what is actually best for them, depending on their lifestyle and where they live yeah. and making conscious choices, right? That's, that's what's going to help the most right now. Right? Yeah. And it's like catering it oh. to you and your lifestyle and where you live. And, you know, let me say, I think, and I've looked into it a little bit, we don't have the mountains, but in St. Louis, Missouri, where this is airing on the radio, we're very similar uh-huh. with how we do coal and natural gas, you know, and okay. that's, what's great to know your, your feelings about that and how it may not be the absolute, you know, end all be all to have an electric vehicle, uh, you know, you're so much better than the, uh, uh, the, you know, Corolla sitting next to you, you know, may not be always the case. (laughs) Right. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. And I mean, it just depends on, on your state and how you're charging the vehicle and what your driving habits are, you know, like that video I showed you, uh, with the Prius. This is a BMW M3. It is not designed to be as economical as possible. It is designed to be fast. So, 10 laps of the track, let's see which one uses the least fuel. Here we go. Prius would be driven as fast as possible. All I had to do in the BMW was keep up. Okay, so there's a 1.5 litre four-cylinder engine in the Prius. In this, a 414 brake horsepower four-litre V8. You would expect this to use massively more fuel. Come on. I have the results here. Yes. The Prius did 17.2 miles to the gallon. The M3 did 19.4 miles to the gallon. And that was very fried. Again, with the studio audience, but it's appropriate to hear just two miles per gallon more for the BMW than the Prius. Mm, Prius. Mm. And it has a battery and an engine. It's still polluting with gasoline and oil, right? Yeah. And you still have to replace Hybrid. the batteries. I've replaced a lot of batteries in in Priuses. So really, y- you know, I mean, when you start putting all that together in your driving habits, and you know, people not carpooling, yeah, and just meaningless trips, not taking public transportation, not riding bikes as often. I mean, that's that's our pollutant in the country mm. for sure. Right. Wow. Opting so. that route. Wow. <laughs> well, you mentioned uh, replacing a battery Spencer, Spencer Pravitt with Paul cook on the Paul cook talks podcast. Uh, you mentioned replacing a battery. I, I, I know it varies. I'm sure it varies, but how much is one of those cost? Uh, you know, it's, I don't have exact numbers for you. When I was doing it a lot, uh, I worked at a local shop here that, uh, we, we call ourselves the green garage and we were one of the only small, like mom and pop shops that would work on hybrids because they're, they're very dangerous, right? Okay. If you, if you touch the wrong terminals on some of these, well, on all of these hybrids, they, they will kill you. Whoa. Right? There's a lot of voltage on these cars. So, you know, um, taking that into consideration and everything, uh, with our, with our labor costs and everything, um, it, it wasn't abnormal to replace a Prius battery for six or seven thousand mm. dollars. 
Uh, I think it's about a three or four hour job. They're in the back seat uh, to replace those. So you have your labor rate and then the batteries are very expensive. I think you're, like I said, back in around 2017, there were a good five or $6,000. It's actually pretty difficult to get parts for Tesla. Uh, Interesting. These cars are pretty sophisticated. They'll, they'll schedule their own maintenance. They'll find you the nearest Tesla dealer and Tesla doesn't like to sell parts to smaller shops. So pretty much if you have a Tesla, you're, you're sticking with Tesla maintenance. Again, hopefully, you know, what I'd love to see is these batteries lasting 150,000 miles, 200,000 miles, right? Like right. make it so the battery isn't really a wear item anymore. Yeah. Um, and again, that the technology obviously just kind of isn't there or maybe it's a money thing. You know, but I think in the next decade or so, maybe it's going to be a lot more realistic, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. A, a lot more efficient, which would be awesome. Constantly working on it. Because you, you know what, man, Spencer? I think the average person like me thinks you never have to replace that battery. You know, that you think it's not a wear item. You know, it's like your, right. uh, your earbuds, <laughs> you know, or uh, <laughs> uh, something like that, which is very fascinating. Sure. And then disposing of the old battery, right? I mean, you can't. You're not just going to go throw it in a landfill, no. right? So there has to be a process <laughs> to, you know, properly dispose of these batteries as well. So, yeah, you mentioned something about not being able to find info on, on certain things and how they'll go with a, you know, worst case scenario on a, on a gas vehicle. And then maybe the best case scenario when you're, you're quoting things on a, uh, an electric vehicle. What do you think the reason is for that? Why is it difficult? Why do they spin it? Uh, I, you know, I honestly think that it's mostly the, the larger population areas that are, that are just pushing for that stuff because it makes sense in their area, yeah. right? New York and California, you know, are, are still pretty efficient with their power sources and how they make energy. So to, you know, to push that, you know, in commercials and stuff about no tailpipe emissions, stuff like that, uh, to the, to the mass population, Right, their targets are California because California has huge problems with cars being idle for hours in traffic. Mm, so it, yeah. you know, it's obviously a money thing. They're obviously trying to sell the product that they're making, but you know, when you look at the large population of where most of the population is in the country, obviously that's where a lot of the pollution comes from. You know, it's a time where a lot of stuff is being spun. Right. And that's, and, and that's pretty much, uh, you know, my, my only goal, right. Is to just raise awareness and have people ask questions, do their research. And maybe this will spark some interest and people will actually be more educated and, and find out some info for themselves and see what makes sense for them. Right. So, and you said that, you know, I'm glad you repeated it. Cause I think that was off the air too. You're not about that electric vehicles are horrible or, you know, you're not anti this. It's about uh, knowing the full picture though. And, you know, I love that you talk about the full chain of events, you know, getting the energy, getting the battery, uh, building the plant, all of that, you know, buzzword now, supply chain, all of that, it should be included in the emissions of this, or at least the carbon footprint. Right, exactly. Yeah. And it, it's, it's about zooming out and just asking questions, like you said, and, and, you know, uh, alternate fuels are good for a lot of different reasons, not just emission stuff, but right. It's not good to just 
rely on gasoline and diesel like we were talking about earlier. Yeah, I think we're uh, learning that too right now with uh, Ukraine and everything going on with Russia. Exactly, right? I think, you know, when you when you look at when you zoom out on the whole picture of the of the modern vehicle, we've had gasoline engines since the early 1900s, right? Yeah. So we've had a lot of time to actually modify and figure these things out and actually engineer a very efficient engine where we haven't had electric cars for very long. Right. So you can, you can foresee that the technology and the batteries and stuff is going to get much better. And, and, you know, only time can tell really. I mean, it might, I mean, there's chances that it, it might just flop and it's never actually catches on, or it could be, you know, one of the greatest revolutionary things ever, you know, there's no like special engineering technique where we're just all of a sudden going to have free energy and everything's going to be, you know, mm. perfect. Yeah. So yeah, the, yeah. the <laughs> uh, law of physics and, uh, and emissions and, and chemistry, it, it doesn't mean there's not some, something taking a carbon footprint or p- putting it down there. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, and when you're talking about running an electric vehicle on coal, I mean, how efficient does that really sound? Right. I mean, that's, yeah. that's kind of going backwards. Absolutely. We've had engines running on coal since you know, old really old trains and stuff, right? Like yeah. turn of the century type stuff. So I really appreciate you, Spencer Pravitt. Thanks, man. Yeah, thank you. I, I really appreciate the the time that you've given me as well. You know, it, it's it's awesome to uh, kind of spread the word and and hopefully spark some interest. You know. Yeah, absolutely. What did you so. think of uh, your time with uh, Tony Robbins? By the way. Uh, it life changing, right? Oh, um, that's great. That was the that was the first live event I went to. I had done a virtual one uh, because of COVID, so I I kind of knew what I was yeah. in for. But seeing it in person is a whole different ball game, right? Being yeah. surrounded by all those people, you and I cried together, laughed together, screamed <laughs> together with with another fifty thousand people or whatever it was, right? Yeah, like ran it, across a hot coals together. Speaking of coal. <laughs> Right, <laughs> man. If you could run a right. car on those uh, on the octane produced by the uh, endorphins or motivation or whatever, we'd be pretty good there. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, if everyone had that mindset twenty four seven, oh, right? we'd all be we'd all be running to work. <laughs> Need a car. <laughs> running home, running at work, and running back home. Oh my gosh. I love it. I love it. Well, I appreciate your, uh, you know, your efforts to inform and your even approach on it. And uh, really, really appreciate it again, man. Thank you so much. Yep. Thank you. Spencer Pravitt from Salt Lake City, Utah, engine specialist on European supercars and has worked on all of them with his reflections on the electric vehicle. Maybe you have a question for him. I can ask him uh, anything you want me to pass along. Paul at paulcooktalks.com or paul at newstalkstl.com. It's all about you. Really, I don't mean that in a weird way. I mean, uh, I want to serve you and give you exactly what maybe you're curious about with electric vehicles. And I love I hope that uh, you do lean on me a little bit. I'm out there speaking right now about the COVID hangover project. 
meaning the lag time that it's going to take for workers to get back to full efficiency after these crazy mental illness challenge times. And uh, I'd love to come speak to your company, group, or anything like that. Paul at paulcooktalks.com. Thanks again for listening, and we will see you next week.